Please have a, have a seat. Okay, so uh, today we're going to begin a, a new series, a uh, series which we're calling Faith That Works. And we're going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged by what we read. And in fact, we're going to be challenged every week of this series, the next five weeks, as we journey through uh, the book of James. We're going to be talking about things like uh, living out our faith, how to act justly, in society, uh, we'll be reminded of the consequence of our words. We'll touch on the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. We'll see what it is to treat each other well. Uh, we'll see what it is to remain faithful to the Father, to, uh, to see the power of prayer, but we're going to start, we're going to start from a place of learning, of hearing, that we are called to be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. James chapter 1 verse 22, be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Okay, this book book of James, very different to the rest of the New Testament, okay? In the New Testament, we've got a load of books that are very um, informative, okay? They, they teach us a lot, a lot of head knowledge stuff, a lot of truth that we need to hold. We've got others that are emotive, and they, and they challenge us on our heart, on how we love God and, and, and each other. But this one, this book of James, it's not really either of those. It's more of a, a practical how-to. Um, how do we apply the truth that we learn elsewhere? How do we apply the truths that James picks out for us and throws us um, to be living into? Okay? Big thing that James, I paraphrase the whole of his, his book really, Faith isn't personal. Faith is for sharing. Okay, it's a key, key message within the whole of James. Okay, and we're called to share our faith through good works which are produced because of it. Okay, we are called to share our faith through good works which are produced because of our faith. So if you've got your Bible with you and you want to open up, we're going to be in James chapter 1, um, and we can get started today. Now, as has been the case in the last series, I'm not going to take each verse of chapter 1 and, and unpack it, but we're going to unpack large parts of it. Uh, I know I talked for a while already, so imagine if I was going to take every verse. We'd be here past dinner time, Okay. Uh, my wife wants me home. Um, but these opening verses that we've got, okay, we're told about trials. We're told that we will face trials. Not, not a question of if, but a question of when. Okay? And we're also told that it's possible for us to profit from those trials. Okay? 
Um, I'm going to start verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and other translations at that point would use the word patience, okay? And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing, okay? Testing is growth. Not only, not only growing in endurance or patience, as this example from James has it, but in all areas of our character. Okay, just think for a moment how easy you find it to be nice to someone who's nice to you. Yeah? Pretty easy. Compare that to how easy or difficult you might find it to be nice to those who are unpleasant or disruptive or rude, it's a little less easy, okay? But we're called to count the trials that come from those situations, that come from those people, those conversations. We're told to count them as joy. That's what verse 2 says, okay? Count this as joy whenever you face trials of any kind. Why? Because God has started a good work in each and every one of us, and he wants to bring it to completion. Where we lack, we ask for help. And where we ask for help, we will grow. Okay? And I think of the phrase, be careful what you wish for. But we're not wishing for anything. Because we're coming in faith. And faith and wish don't go together. Okay? If we are approaching boldly in faith, we're not wishing, okay? But you might have heard it said, um, if you pray for patience, beware, okay? Not just patience, anything, okay? When we're wanting to grow in our character and we pray about it, God is going to give us the opportunity to grow in it, Okay? I fell into that once. I remember praying for patience. And then for the next day, my kids really tried my patience. Okay? I loved them to bits, but I didn't want to be in the same room as them for that time. But I had to be, because you couldn't leave them alone. They were too young. And my patience was tried. Okay? It was a trial. And I had to learn to be joyful in that trial. And of course, it's my kids, so I'm very joyful. Because there's always those good times that come out of it. So, be aware that when we pray for growth, God is going to give us the opportunity to grow. And often, that is going to be through trial. But when we approach in faith, okay, then the ability for us to be tossed about to and fro, okay, um, as verse 6 kind of points to here, yeah, like waves in the wind, if we approach in faith, we're not going to be tossed around like a wave. Instead, instead, when we ask in faith without doubt, James tells us, ask in faith without doubt, we live into the belief that God hears us and that God answers us. Okay? 
leave our, our doubts to the side and we step into faith. And we believe that God does hear our prayer and he does answer our prayer. Okay? Being tossed around, we think about God. Well, he didn't hear my prayer, so I'm going to pray it louder. Or he didn't answer my prayer. Right? Well, no, he did. He might not have given us the answer that we wanted, but he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. Okay? It's not always what we want. And that's okay. But when we think like that, we're coming out of a place of doubt and not of faith, like verse 8 points us to. Okay, he says, it is double-minded, it is unstable in every way. Think about that. Being double-minded. We only think God answers our prayers when we get what we want. But he is a good, good father who only gives us what we should have. And we want some things that we should not have. And so he does not give them to us. Because who are we to think that we are due anything from God? Who are we to think that we deserve the promises that he has given us right now like an instant download, and not when he determines it should happen. Everything that we do, everything that we have, has been given us by God. And it is all for one reason, to glorify him. And simply, if we think, what does it mean to glorify? Well, it means to honor, it means to praise it means to admire, and it means to elevate. Where are we not doing that? Where do we feel the challenge this morning? Now, if you feel like you have little in your life, then James tells us you're not overlooked. God doesn't not see you, even though in the world... Many people, and even ourselves, myself, can fall into this trap. I need to confess when it happens. Jesus spoke against, didn't he? The things of looking for status and for wealth, for comparing ourselves with others. God sees you if you feel like you have little. You are not overlooked. But if you feel like you have much, then what does James tell you to do? He tells you glory in humiliation. There's a good challenge. <laughs> glory in humiliation. I think that's massive. Okay? Wealth, status, power. They're things of this world. They come and they go. They do not last forever. They are temporary things. And God's not concerned with those. So be humbled. Don't place um, too much emphasis on personal possession, on material world. Because that's not the end game. 
That's not the end game. The thing that matters most is our heart. Okay? It's the desire to glorify God. And you can see already as I've unpacked a few of these verses that James chapter 1 is really addressing lots of characteristics of faith. Challenging us on how we live out our faith as disciples of Christ. Okay? Verses 12 through 16. They speak to the fact that temptation is not from God. Okay? Temptation comes from within us. And as we dwell on our own thoughts, on our own um, earthly desires, we're drawn away from God. Okay? I'm drawn to think of Jesus' teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Where he says, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, any man who has looked at a woman lustfully in his heart has already committed adultery. Okay, that can be assigned to any and all sin because it begins inside of us. The important thing right now for us to look at at this part of James is that there is a big difference between trial and temptation. Okay? They are not the same thing. God tests his people. Yes, he does. Thank you. Because that's how we grow. But temptation comes from the enemy. Okay? It might flow out of the trial that God gives us, but it doesn't come from God. The enemy might use that trial to attack a weakness that God is trying to grow, but temptation does not come from God. And Packer, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, he says that Satan will try to exploit every situation for ruin. Okay? God is trying to do a good work in you. He started it, and he wants to carry it through to completion. What's the enemy want to do? Stop that. And Packer goes on to say that uh, temptation may be our lot, but only a fool would make it his preference. Okay? Temptation is not from God. So when we face trial, and if temptation comes from that trial, then the answer is not to look inside of ourselves. It's not to, to find an inner strength. It's not to, um, to turn to a philosophical idea. It's not to go, how am I going to beat this? It's to go to one place and one place only. To God's word. To be made aware that what it says in here is the truth. To not only have it up here, but to let it transmit to here. And when it's the emotive passages we're reading, not to let them sit here, but to combine the two. Okay? We are to look to his word. And we are to look that it's his strength in our weakness that will get us through. When the enemy comes after you, 
because God is trying to grow you in a certain area, that's because that's a weakness. And if you've recognized that and you've prayed for that, then accept it with joy that that trial has come. Because that's how we grow. That's the only way in which we get to grow. It's a reminder for us all, and I've already touched on it a little, but it hits home here again right now in verse 17. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Elsewhere in Scripture, we read and it puts it, um, if God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is nothing and no one. But for God to be for us, we need to be for him. Not allowing ourselves to be tossed around like a wave by the wind. Not allowing for interpretation of scripture that is clearly a bad interpretation of scripture or, or living into an earthly practice that helps life be a bit easier, that helps us not have too many conflicts with other people in the world. We're not supposed to go down that route. We're supposed to choose the path that is harder. We're supposed to choose the path that scripture tells us to live, even though that comes with difficulty and trial. Even though it might be a struggle. Jesus tells you, take up your cross and walk. What's your cross this morning? And so how do we do this? What are the, what are the qualities that we need to have as disciples to be able to um, make it through the battle of trial. Well, James tells us, verses 19 and 20, you must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Right up until this point, we've been hearing from James about God's word. We've been hearing about the work that God's word does in our lives. I remember we started talking about uh, endurance, about patience. And right now, James has gone to the opposite end of that spectrum as we're looking at anger. The very opposite of patience. And it's telling us that's something we should not engage in. It's not something a disciple should be doing. I remember when uh, Jody and I were engaged, we, uh, we met with a very faithful couple uh, from the church that I was working at, at the time, um, and they just talked to us about marriage. And they just imparted wisdom. You know, how do you make a marriage work? 
You accept not being right. <laughs> How do you make a marriage work? How do you invest in relationship and make that important? Not lose fact. Not lose that fact. But keep reminding yourself of it and keep walking in that way. And one thing really, really sticks in my mind that they shared. And that was, once you have said something, you cannot unsay it. Okay, you can't. It's been said. And let's be honest, when you hear something that isn't very nice about yourself, you kind of store it away. We've got to be wary not to be angry and say things that we don't mean. Because we cannot take it back. Okay? God's word, his good word, it goes to work in our lives, doesn't it? Yeah? It transforms us. That's why as our mission we say we want to see lives transformed by the good news. But how often do our words have this impact? How often do our words, where we are sometimes too quick to say something that isn't positive but negative, that isn't healthy but is poor, James tells us we're called to be listeners more than we speak. And we're called to be very slow to anger. And we're not talking here about righteous anger. We're not talking about a desire to um, protect the weak, the hurt, the vulnerable, to stand up for justice. We're not talking about righteous anger. We're talking about anger that comes from being hurt. We're talking about an anger that comes from not being listened to or something that we hear all too often in the world today of, you have offended me. Okay? That's the hurt that leads to anger. And this is the anger that James is talking against. Actually listen to what people are saying and you'll realize they've not offended you. They might just disagree with one of your principles. Be slow to anger. Use your ears. You've been given two of them for a reason. So you listen twice as much as you speak. And just this week, I was put in that situation. I was personally attacked, my character because I refuse to believe a lie that a certain person was peddling. I'm not going to go into the full details of this. Some of you already know it. Um, but it, cre it created pain. It created hurt. Did I get angry? Well, I felt it bubbling up. And in the end, I had to walk away. And I commented, I'll be praying for you. Now, I have prayed for them. I continue to pray for them, but on reflection, I realize also that my comment of I'll be praying for you was actually a slight jibe out of the anger that I had. And for that, I needed to confess. Because we need to be slow to anger. Whatever the motivation for the words that we say, well, I spoke out of a place of, of the anger starting, that green-eyed monster coming up inside of me. As we come back now to 
to James chapter 1 and away from my personal trials. It teaches so much in the way of practical help. And the rest of the book does it as well. And we'll we'll look into that as we go through this series, as we unfold more of this heavenly wisdom and how it is worth so much more than any earthly wisdom that we have. And as it comes to an end, this chapter, you can see, we'll get a verse 22 tells us, I've already said this, be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. And then verse 25 goes on to say, those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. The word teaches us all that we need. Okay? Whether someone is trying to unpack it for you and you're listening, or you're using your eyes to read that word and hear it yourself as you read it, it gives you everything that you need. Okay? Jesus is the word made flesh. He is the key to all of this. He is all that we need, and we need to be doers of the things that Jesus did. And what were the things that Jesus did? Well, he did only the things that he saw the Father doing. So we need to do those things. And we need to follow and do the things that his written word commands us to do. Okay, our freedom that we have, and we talk about the law of liberty, well, our freedom that we have is found where? It's found in Christ. And Paul tells us in Galatians 5, chapter 1, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not then let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The opposite of freedom is slavery. Okay, and we are freedom. We are free in Christ. But that freedom, that freedom is not to do what we want to do. It's not free to do as we choose to. Instead, it is a freedom to obey God. To to not be a slave to this world, but to persevere in the law of liberty. And how does that start? Well, it starts with, Uh, with repentance and stepping out into belief. It starts by accepting that we are saved, but that that, when we say we are saved, that isn't a one-time thing. That is it, that we are continually being saved. That we can begin to let grace free us from the grip of sin. I am not speaking against grace by concentrating on works today. They go hand in glove. We need to be aware as we step out in this way. That temptation will still come. We can guarantee that because if you say yes 
to Jesus. And you live into a life of grace where you are free to do the things that God is obeying you to do. Temptation is going to come your way. Guarantee it. But we've got to continually look back to God. We've got to continually say, we're not going to give in to this. We've got to find that strength from within that only comes from him. Because as we live in Christ, Christ lives in us. Instead of giving in to it, we've got to lean in to Jesus. We've got to learn to draw on what we hear from his written word. We've got to be doers of the word. Not just hearers who deceive ourselves. And what do they mean there? I mean, we don't want to deceive ourselves into thinking that we can sit by and do nothing because we are saved. We've got to be doers, not just hearers who deceive ourselves. Like I said at the top of this message, faith isn't personal. It is for sharing, okay? And that sharing, that sharing comes through works, through works which are produced because of our faith. Okay? That doesn't mean we are not saved by grace, but we are saved by grace through faith. And faith produces good works. James finishes, if any, of, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So let's be doers of what we're commanded and not sit by idly thinking, because I'm saved, I don't have to do anything. Because that's a lie that many people in this world today will try to peddle. You have been saved by faith, by grace, through faith, which is a gift from God. But know this. Faith will produce inside of you good works. Let me pray. Father, we give you so much thanks for all that you do in our lives, for all that you have given us. But as we give you that thanks, Lord, help us to remember all good gifts come from you. Everything that we have is because you have deemed it so. Help us to really treat what we have as yours, to do with it as you would have us, as you would will for us to do. As we give over more of ourselves to you and, and we lessen ourselves. Lord, let us step in to the work that you have called us to. 
to the works that are produced because of our faith. We want to be doers, Lord, not just hearers deceiving ourselves. So come, speak to us individually right now, we pray. Come, reveal to us the things that we need to let go of, the things that we need to pick up, and how to better serve you as a doer and a hearer of your word as we follow the word made flesh, your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.